is a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 22nd, 2008. Newcomers should always look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and download all the previous talks I've given, at least some of them, there's so many there now, which help to fill in all the little blank spots which our history is absolutely full of. And we should try to make sense of this brave new world agenda it's unfolding in our lifetime very rapidly, too. Also look into alanwattsentientsentinel.eu and download the transcripts in the various tongues of Europe. I should mention to people at the beginning of the show uh, that if you want to keep me going, you can donate to me. You'll see how to do it on the site. And you can buy the books and CDs and DVDs I have made on these particular topics. I don't sell anything else. I don't sell magic potions that will cure you of every disease under the sun or little boxes with magic sources inside them uh, with energy and all the rest of it. I just sell you information. And most of the information I give for free, as you can tell, by my website. So keep it going. Um, I don't get paid for being on these shows. I don't ask for money. I could easily push lots of ads and and stuff for uh, quite a bit of money like the rest of the talk show hosts do, but I don't, because I don't want to be involved in the commercial side, because then you're simply part of the Hollywood team. The reason I'm out here doing what I'm doing is because someone had to do it, and even the Patriot Movement has been round in circles year after year, decade after decade, with the same old stuff. Here's our man today, let's vote him in, and they go into politics and before you know it, you're just wasting another two or three years of your life as the agenda steamrolled ahead. And remember, it was on this very station, in fact, that years ago, I listened to an old lady phone in. She was in her 80s. And she said she'd been following the Patriot Radio for about 40 years at that time. And she said, you know, you can talk and talk and talk, but nothing changes. It just steamrolls ahead. And she said the very same thing. Every time elections come up, you're given your hero and you waste another two years sitting on your hands while this agenda steamrolls onwards. And that is so true. It's so true. And that's why I try to keep commercialization out of what I'm doing. Now, naturally, there's ads on the show in between me talking, and that pays for the engineers and everything else that it takes to keep the show on the road to pay for the airwaves, to pay for all the equipment and so on. But you can help me directly if you want to and keep me going. And I have made a difference in this whole Patriot business because you'll find that whatever I talk about and the special insights I give you that are first really um, on these airwaves are copied very quickly by the other talk show hosts. So there's a, a difference being made and it's all for the better. We're getting out of the loop and we're starting to question much, much more than just the traditional problems that we're given to face. 
we are steamrolling ahead, steamrolling so quickly, it's a daily process. And no one, no individual can possibly keep up with it, even if you had lots of staff helping you and punching stuff up on your screen for you. You couldn't even keep up with it, and I don't have that happen here. I do this uh, solo act here. Whatever comes out of my mouth originates inside my head. I don't have production staff and teams and all the rest of it. But it's so almost overwhelming for the average person who is waking up uh, that they tend to freak out. We hear this time after time with certain callers, and that's a natural thing to go through. You've got to get your nervous breakdown over and done with so they can emerge on the other side and start really figuring out what to really do. Start with yourself. Be back with more after the following message. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I was saying before the break there that uh, if you want to keep me going, you know how to support me and that way I don't have to fund for different companies and tell you that I believe in this or that product because then I'd be totally commercialized and all you have really is your own integrity. I don't promise you creams or magic potions that will give you a perpetual erection or grow all your hair back in or give you a third set of teeth or make you live forever. I just tell you what's really happening in the world and how we got to this point, the institutions behind it, how they're all connected and how even all the vast new age movements are all intertwined and run from a capstone at the top, planned a long time ago, and where it's all supposed to go. The whole eugenics movement was designed a lot around this whole concept of a new world order with all the lesser types, you know, the defective ones, the ones that don't measure up, the junk genes, in other words, the commoners, they should be eliminated because there's no room for them in this brave new world scenario where machines, etc., will do the work of the laborer. That's what part of it was all about, in fact. And people will mesmerize themselves and entertain themselves to death with all kinds of fancy things as we go through it. And those are the ones who don't see the express train coming up behind them. They will go, and you have to accept the fact that they will go. And part of the problem of being awake and conscious and studying this your whole life is the fact that nothing surprises you. Not only doesn't it surprise you, it's expected. You know where each part of the next part of every phase is going to go and how they guide you step by step to thinking that everything's just evolving naturally. Uh, this following article comes from Core 77. That's Core, C-O-R-E, 77, in conjunction with Greener Gadgets. And it's called Greener Gadgets Design Competition 2008. Again, green must be good, right? Everything's green, Mother Earth and all the rest of it. Green, green is green, they say, on the far side of the hill. And this is called, I was talking about this just last week, how they can actually imprint circuits into your skin like a tattoo. And lo and behold, here it is, Digital Tattoo Interface by Jim Milke, United States. And it's got a picture of a girl there, a young girl, with her little tattoo on her forearm. And here's what it says. Her cell phone is ringing, but the display is turned off. She lightly pushes a small dot on the skin on her left forearm to suddenly reveal a 2x4-inch tattoo 
with the image of the cell phone's digital display directly in the skin of her arm. She answers the call by pushing a tattooed button on her arm. While she's talking, the tattoo comes to life as a digital video of the caller. When she finishes, the tattoo disappears. This Bluetooth device is permanently implanted beneath the skin. It is flat, flexible, silicone, and silicone. I don't know why it's called silicone and silicone. Like it's our silly priests say, silicones. Tightly rolled when it's inserted through a small incision and then furled beneath the skin, it lies benignly between skin and muscle. Though the same incision, or through the same incision, two small tubes are attached from the implanted device to an artery and a vein. A coin-sized blood fuel cell in the implant converts the blood's glucose and oxygen from the artery to the electricity required to power the device. So there you are. Used blood returns through the vein. The digital device power source is the same as for all of the biological components in the body. It's using your nervous system, your nervous system, and it's also obviously interfacing with your, your, your nervous supply. The surface of the implant that faces underside the skin is covered with a matrix like that of field-producing pixels that activate a matching matrix of pixels tattooed onto the surface of the skin above the implant. The field penetrates the skin to drive the tattooed display while the skin continues to provide its function of stealing the body from the world. The surface of the implant is also a touch screen control pressed through the skin. Rather than ink, tiny clusters of microscopic spheres are injected like tattoo link or ink into the skin. Each sphere is filled with a field sensitive material that changes from clear to black when a field in the matrix is turned on. The device communicates wirelessly with the world as well as with other devices implanted in the same body. So here's an interesting part, interface. It is always present, always on, but out of sight and non-obtrusive. It also continually monitors for many blood disorders. So here's your little selling point, alerting the person of a health problem. A human, uh, it says here, a human version of the Czech engine light Product styling is the latest and coolest downloaded display interface showing on any tattoo on the block. This product is waterproof and it is powered by Pisa, Pisa Electric. And it shows you uh, this little pad that goes under the skin with the sensors and all the rest of it on it. This will sell like hotcakes because everyone's now addicted to their cell phone, especially the young. They call it the cell phone generation. They're always communicating with each other everywhere they go, walking, in school, in class, wherever, they just want to talk, talk, talk. And no doubt this is also a tracking device, you see. I always wonder at the ingenuity of the elite. The computer was given to the public to bring all of the control mechanism about. It was not given to the public to help the public, but it's been fun as long as we've had it. No doubt about that. That's why they gave it to us. But when we buy things for ourselves, it never occurs to us that there's a nefarious purpose behind it. And as long as we keep buying, we will never clue into this. If you were ordered to take a computer or a cell phone or, and so on, or even this tattoo with the interface to the computer, uh, you'd be suspicious. But as long as you can buy it, it'll never dawn on most people there's anything about it they should worry about. 
Now we've got Andrea from Texas on the line. Are you there, Andrea? Hello. Hello. Yes. Um, I heard the uh, caller leave from Texas the other day, and um, I just wanted to give out my email. Is that okay? Um, did you want to give it out on the air? No, not really. But I don't think I it's wise. It's like not really wise, no. But what you could do is email it to me. I mean, I've got your email address. I do, I think, here. Because mm -hmm. you've emailed me before, I believe, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah. And uh, uh, once he call, uh, contacts me, I could possibly give it to him if you want to. Yes, yes. If he calls back, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because and, you have to be um, very, very careful these days about people. There's so many. I get so many uh, cranks contacting me. And you have to be wary because initially they, they seem okay, you know. Yeah, I. You're very right about that. Yeah. All right. Well, how much you going down, Joe? Uh, thanks for calling. And I'll ask too if the, if the engineer can turn up the volume a little bit on the phone, because it's a bit quiet for me in the sand here. And we've got Jim from Texas on the line. Are you there, Jim? Hello, Alan. Hello. How are you? I think a better way for you to explain what's going on, you do you do operate out of Canada, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you could explain the situation to your listeners about Bernie Farber, Richard Warman, and all and ilk, uh, associated ilk up there, how they have complete control, almost thought control over the whole nation of Canada. And, and just how horrible it is up there and what they do to people that dare to speak out. I mean, this is the new world order five years from now or three years from now in the United States, which is what they're trying to do. Oh, you're quite correct. Uh, there's also another problem here, too, is she's, as part of the British Commonwealth. Uh, and the British Commonwealth has uh, is the premier in controlling vast amounts of people. I mean, a commonwealth across the world standardized in a system where the, pe the people have had centuries, many centuries, of, of leaving all of the major problems to your betters. And so they don't question authority as much. So you're, you're right about that. It only takes a handful of people to control the whole system and the media system. I mean, Conrad Black came from Upper Canada College as well, and he started up one of the biggest newspaper chains he was obviously well-connected. He became Lord Conrad Black. He was given over to London, and he was, he was made a lord because they always make the media moguls lords. And the uh, Hollinger Corporation was one of his big, big companies. And what was interesting that uh, Kissinger and uh, I think it's Barbara Walters and others are also major shareholders in the same company. So all, all your information is coming through the CIA and all the big boys at the top, including your major talk show hosts. Well. In Canada, you're controlled by Izzy Asper and his sons. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, Asper. They have, what, 80% yeah. of the Canadian media? I'm talking about newspapers, TV, radio, everything. They can, Con, Can West or something they call it, or Can, Can West, South, yeah. or mm -hmm. some kind of idiotic name like that. But they, they run it all. Oh, oh, they do. They do. And that's been the same with most of the British Commonwealth countries. In fact, all of them, they always have their major media baron and his family running the whole it's much easier that way to have it all in the family and all connected to london but now, alan a lot of people don't realize this has been going on with england which was a controlling thing for all the commonwealth countries yeah. since cromwell let them back in in, in uh what uh 
14 something or 15 something when Cromwell let them back in from uh, from the Netherlands or Holland or Belgium or whatever we want to call it now. Oh, there's no doubt that the money the money the money bags that came in uh, and also financed royalty as well and sometimes brought in their own royalty uh, afterwards uh, have been running the system these particular characters who are the money bags that's how they seized control of the British Empire was money lending to the uh, royalty they seized control with uh, you know the it's, it's, not, the, it's, it's uh, actually more complicated I'll tell you why uh, and hang on in fact and we'll talk about this after these messages alright Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix. We're talking from Jim from Texas about uh, the guys behind the techniques of control. Now, it isn't just money. Here's the key to it. We've got thousands of years of families becoming dominant. They call them the dominant minority in all cultures and all peoples. And whenever you get away from a basic tribal system, you end up with uh, a psychopathic dynasty emerging. When, you, when they get power generally backed up by this ancient technique of money where they can actually hire armies to protect them and defend them and go out and slaughter for them, then you've got a problem. And the old kings and queens even of Britain, uh, they were no, they're no different, in fact, uh, from, from that because they used to go hand in glove with these particular money bags uh, that uh, would come in and finance Which the wars. Which were the Rothschilds and their ilk. Oh, even, be the even, before, even before the Rothschilds even came on the scene. And to be honest with you, I mean, when you read the, uh, how the Rothschilds came into Britain and those other countries, you eventually clue in to the fact that the, royal, uh, the royalty within those countries allowed them in. They brought them in. And uh, believe you me, if, if the Rothschilds had uh, taken over the Bank of England... Uh, and destroyed lots of families in, in the, on the way, he, he would have been dead before nightfall because the kings and queens and royalty had lots of assassins. They wouldn't tolerate that kind of stuff. And so it tells you that they work in cahoots. They work together. And what you find, not just them, is royalty, all major religions, and the money boys work together like a trinity. And you'll find, for instance, throughout Europe, when the Catholic Church came in big time, uh, and uh, they, they had Charlemagne uh, with, at the head of an army, an official king. They crowned him as the first king representing the Catholic Church. His job was to go and dominate Gaul and other places and uh, by the point of the sword and make them Catholic. And in with that came the money bags as well and the introduction of money itself. Most tribes never even used money. It was a foreign thing to them, a foreign concept, as foreign to them as it was for the, for, the, for the American Indians. They could not understand it at first. And once you force a people on money, then you can tax back, uh, which just means a, a labor on your work. You can tax it back through money and make yourself all-powerful. So you have major religions, the money boys, of course, and royalty all working together. And what you have at the top of each of those groups because remember, these, are, these people are a small minority at the head of their own group, you might say. These are the psychopathic elite who all work together 
and they know this system. It's very, very ancient, and we can, tra- yeah. we can trace it back for thousands and thousands go- of years. It goes back uh, at least to ancient Egypt, if oh, not even beyond before, that. Even, even before Sumer, you, you can actually spot it in Sumer, because they had the introduction of weighing money there. They didn't have it coined, but they had it weighed there. And the priesthoods, again, were the bureaucracy of the day. Uh, they dealt with all imports and exports and even death duties and death taxes. So this is an ancient system going back at least six, 7,000 B.C. But it's the same system applied over and over and over again. Oh, absolutely. And even in the, in the ancient times, now I write about that in my third book, um, the Phoenicians, uh, who were the traders and also the money lenders. I think uh, that's modern-day Lebanon was the Phoenicians, if I'm not mistaken. Well, well they, were, they were Phoenicians by the Greeks, that's the Greek term. In the Middle East, they call them the Canaanites. But they ran the ancient uh, world of trade and commerce and money lending. And they would go to Greece as well and set up their, their uh, money exchanges, just like international exchanges. And the temples, they were called the trapezi in, in Greek. Uh, so wherever they went, they did the same techniques, but they'd always get the country in debt, generally through the king or queen, sometimes working together with the king and queen, and then they would take it over, just like the International Monetary Fund does today. They come in and take over all finances of the country, and then they get the standing army, recruit guys in the new country, and send them off to fight the next bunch. And it's an ongoing process, and we still see it being used today across the world under the guise of the United Nations. It's happening today in, in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, yeah. to name two. The, I mean, this is just the same thing that's been going on for thousands of years, the same thing, yeah. the same plot. They carry out the same plot, and the people never get it. Well, the thing they is, never... too, you've got to realize that the Phoenicians, um, with their money, they were actually standardizing weights and measures uh, across the ancient world because uh, that was part of their, their process, introduce money. Uh, first they'd go in for barter, then they'd bring money the next time, scatter amongst the people, and then they would refuse to, to trade with them unless they would dig up raw gold or silver to trade with, and then they'd, they'd end up owning the mines. But what you're seeing is a process of world standardization, step by step, takeover by takeover. That's all uh, war is, it's a takeover, a business takeover, and into empires, and then a bigger empire until you have a world empire. And it goes hand in glove with the major authorized religions of the world. And let's be honest, too, the Roman Catholic Church could never have got so wealthy and powerful without allowing these money boys to do their, their money trading and introducing money into the countries which the church was taking over as well. And they allowed them in. They allowed them uh, 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 small control and more control and more world where today they control all the major religions, all of them. Oh, yeah. Well, the United Nations now is, is creating this new religion, of course, which is part pseudoscience and part earth worship. I'll talk more about it after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix. And just before I go on to mail from Australia, let's be honest here. Within every major group of people on this planet, you have a dominant minority. 
the dominant minority are generally so interbred they don't even belong to the group that they rule over. And even the ones at the bottom identify with them, and really they're from a different race altogether. They've created a new species, you might say, of psychopaths. And once they're at the very top levels, they continue to be good shepherds over their own people, but they interbreed with the other good shepherds, but never with the sheep. And we should really understand that. That's how this system works. Psychopaths and very wealthy families recognize each other, and they don't let religion stand in their way when it comes to intermarrying with power. Now we've got Mel from Australia on the line. Are you there, Mel? Hello, Mel. Oh, hello. Yes. How are you? Uh, Alan, I just wanted your um, comment on a, on a term I came across back in the 1980s, which was companion animals. Mm -hmm. So we had councils and so on here in Australia talking about these companion animals. I thought this was rather strange. They used to be called pets. That's right. That's right. Yeah, well, the companion well, animals is you you probably... Any, um... Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, I was just wondering if you've come across this term. I have come across it, and it was to do with uh, new types of... Uh, uh, they've actually put robotic uh, animals out there for sale for the, the wealthy to buy for their children and these little robotic types to get them used to, to living with little robots that look cute and they call them companion animals as well yeah. but the, the, this term was applied generally to, to pets that people owned in the community yeah. so uh, uh, all of a sudden, your, your council was talking about, uh, you know, they're talking about having your, your pet no longer a pet, it's a companion animal, and of course, uh, there are. Oh, oh that's right. Well, they've also got a, a legal definition of it now. And, and in other words, it's true with, with the animal rights and all the rest of it, and it'll come down to, well, you, you'll have to be surveyed, and, and uh, they'll have to interview you to see if you, and do background checks to see if you're suitable for, to be the, the animal's companion. But that's part yeah, of it too. No, I didn't know it had gone. I, yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me. But I didn't know it had actually gone that far. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you'll find that there's a. I think it's, it's a, it was one of the major um, animal rights activist groups who were pushing for that, and they have. And again, this is all interwoven with the New Age movement, and high levels of bureaucracy, where many of them are in these high New Age movements. And that's the term they're using for them now for pets as companion animals and animals rights activists are, are all part of it too, yeah. Yeah, they have uh, also uh, breed specific legislation. So if your animal is the wrong breed or your dog is the wrong breed, mm -hmm. then the council gives itself the right, as has happened here, to break into your property and seize the animal. Uh, uh, that's correct. Yeah, I think they did it in England too with uh, pit bulls. Uh, they were talking about that in Canada as yep. well. Uh, they, they put some laws out in Canada to do with pit bulls, and they have the right to come in and seize that animal as being a danger to the general public. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll yeah. leave it with you. No, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks but again, it's all to get us used okay, to so, so many things. Uh, part of it is to do with just getting used to the fact that you technically own nothing and you can't choose anything for yourself. Uh, you can't make a decision for yourself. You're not competent to make a decision, a, a proper decision for yourself. 
Only the proper authorities can do that for you. That's all part of the Brave New World scenario again. And uh, the government's right to come and take anything, including your pet, away from you if it so desires. Uh, so now we've got Megan from Pennsylvania. Are you there, Megan? Yes, I am, Alan. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm, I wasn't. This is what I called about, but now that you're talking about animals, I did go to a shelter, and I wanted to adopt a cat. And I have a cat, and I wanted to adopt another one. And they said, well, they, they said, who's your vet? And I told them, and so they called the vet, and I hadn't taken my cat in five years. But that doesn't mean I mistreat him. I can't no. really afford the vet bills. And uh, they said, no, we can't, uh, we can't, sell. well, you pay them like $40, but that, that's because of the shots they had and everything. We, we can't do this because you haven't taken your other cat to the vet. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I don't mistreat the other cat, but I just can't afford, well, anyway. Aren't they something else? I mean, and this yeah. shelter is overflowing with cats. They're not even taking any new cats that need a home. Yeah. And this is why, though. I know. What, what it, you can't even take an animal to the vet now uh, without them checking on its history. Right. If, you, if the government doesn't have a record of you having that pet, that vet, he, they'll tell you they must inform the government on your behalf uh, that, that you own that particular animal. And, and so, it's again, the vets too are pushing for this because they make big bucks when you take them back to all these quack shots every year. Right. And, it, and they, they're dreaming up new shots every year as well to add to the list. But, however, uh, the vet is not your friend. They're in it for money. It's the same in medicine. Uh, people go into that for not to help people but to get bags of money and the status. And the vets are working in cahoots with uh, big government and uh, and legislation and it's true enough they want to know everything about you in, in great detail uh, and all you're doing is taking your animal uh, for a checkup or something but they won't let the, the animal have a checkup without filling it full of umpteen syringes of, right. of goodness knows what and uh, it's having the same effect on the animals as it does with humans yeah yeah and also in my town they you're supposed you're supposed to get a license for the cat now. Yes. I didn't. I thought, heck with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's getting, see, we're in the age of the control freak, you know, the super yes. control freak. And they're all coming forward at the same time. And I'm not kidding you, uh, they're, they're going to create a living hell. And it's actually happening. It's manifesting itself now where you, you won't be able to make a single decision without permission from the authorities and paying fees and licenses and all the rest of it for everything that you want to do. Uh, this is slavery. This is outright slavery. Make no mistake about it. You're either a child or you're an adult. Uh, but if you're an adult, they better uh, stipulate exactly what that means. That means you've got freedom and rights and you have choices that you can make yourself. The government is not there to do it for you. Right, and my cats are, are uh, I keep them in the house, but my neighbor has a cat and the other neighbors are complaining that their dogs are barking because of this cat. And they said, well, let them try to catch my cat. See if they can catch them to get rid of you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not like dog catchers. It's hard to get a cat. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, well, anyway, what I did call you about was uh, I did email you about that Bicentennial Mall in Nashville. Yes. Nashville's supposed to be like the home of country music, but I found out about it through William Henry's site, but he doesn't have the link anymore. 
But you, that's not what I say. You isn't even the half of it. The, you know how Washington D.C. If you look at it from the air, it's like a, it's like a star. Yeah. Or like their, um, what do they call those? Anyway, um, it, same with that bicentennial mall. And the, mm-hmm. it, the even before I listened to you a lot, I thought something's up with this. They have that big black ball that the Nazis, like the black sun. Yeah. And on, uh, on top of a three-tiered little. Step uh, pyramid, yeah. Yeah, and then and then you know how like they have the old thing that crumple the uh, well anyway you'll see it but why would they pick Nashville? Nashville's very prominent. You understand everything, every major place in the United States uh, it was it was created by very high occultic masons, and Tennessee is ten I C you know ten. Ten. Oh. And and uh, Washington D C. If you say D C. You speak the D C. Is D C. That's ten. That's what it means, 10. Oh. Then you have the Dixie line, the, the, Mason, the, Mason, the Mason Dixie line. Right. And Dixie is 10 again. It, 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 they, they love the binary code, the one and the zero and the male and the female, and, and that's really what it stands for. So they have, they have very occultic places. And uh, then you have other places named after places in Egypt. I suppose a Christian country names places after Egypt. But you also have uh, Nashville, of course, is from the, the, the Nasha, which is the, the Hebrew for serpent. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you should see that park, the whole thing. It's unbelievable. Yes. All the Masonic uh, statues and monuments. But anyway, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Well, I thought maybe it was like the latitude or something. That... It, it, will, it will have a lot to do with it, yeah. Yeah, because they put buildings on certain parts that they consider sacred. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Alan. Well, thank you. Thank have a you. good night. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye now. And they always have an obelisk or some form of power or obelisk over a pool of water to reflect the virility of the male. And that's what it means. Albert Pike said the same thing. The female is the moon. She can only reflect the, sight, the, the light of her husband, the sun. That's what they mean by that. So you always have an obelisk for the male over the water who reflects his glory. They're very sexist there. And now we've got Tim from North Carolina. Are you there, Tim? Yeah. Hey, Alan. How you doing? Uh, yeah. And uh, also got a hold of one by Ann Bissett. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she basically calls you stocking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, she pretty well tells it like it is. I think that was called <clears throat> esoteric Christianity or something. Uh-huh. But, but, but that coupled with your talks and the cutting through books, I think pretty well fills in all the gaps, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It does. You can connect things eventually when you understand, and it doesn't have so much confusion anymore. Everything is interconnected in our world. Even the things that we're taught that are not, even things we're taught are opposing each other, they're actually all interconnected, going towards the same pathway at the end of the road. Well, I've got to the point where I can anticipate what they're going to say when they first open their mouth. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same pattern. And, you know, it seems like to me, I went back and started looking at a lot of those, those uh, little one-liners, you know, like Auto Ob Ko and, and uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Sir Isaac Eaton for a reaction as opposite and equal reaction. And, yeah. And then uh, a problem, uh, reaction, solution. And, and they're really all the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. If you go into the the histories of the major players, Francis Bacon, Isaac Newton, and others, they belong to the Royal Society. 
that's still on the go today. It was set up by high Freemasons. It still is Freemasonic. And uh, they had one stipulation if you joined it back in the old days, and that was that you had to put away your wife and family. You had, in other words, you had to basically be divorced from your wife because it was a male-only thing. And there was a lot of um, uh, odd behavior, you might say, between the males involved in that particular club. And Isaac oh, yeah. Newton was one of the major players. Um, he he uh, lived his whole life in a university, never left it. He lived uh, there. And um, he brought his boyfriend over uh, from Italy, I think it was. I think it was Flavio or Fabio. Uh, who, and they were supposed to arrange some kind of marriage, but it fell through at the end. And uh, he went to pieces. And so they, they moved him and put him in charge of the Royal Mint. They always give them a good payoff for doing all the stuff that they're told. All they do is front, you know, uh, for, for this bigger organization. Well, you, you told the truth. It's all a, 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 a gigantic con. I mean, I've never, yeah. it's, it's almost endless. It's wonderful. When you, when you see it, you, can, you, can, you can understand the beauty of it. It's so nefarious and so, so um, fiendish. Uh, you understand there's a, an incredible mind or logic or intellect behind it that cannot be uh, refuted. Yeah. And you, you know, it, it looks like, when I start looking at this stuff and putting it all together, it looks like a computer network to me if I, if yes. I didn't know better, you know? Yes, and, and it is in a sense because we work like a computer, our minds work like a computer, and uh, you have a language given to you like a computer has a language, you have a logic, computers have a logic, and technically the programmer and the designer will know what that computer must spit out for an answer because they understand its logic and its language. They created it. So they can do the same with people. They feed you information in certain sequences, knowing that you must come to a predetermined conclusion by using the language you're given and the logic that you have. This is well understood and has been for thousands of years. Yeah. You think that they had that down pat with people and then they, they, they applied that logic to electronic circuits? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Electricity is elect, is the trick of the elect, the electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, I, I, guess, well, I don't trust nothing I see and not, nothing I read, nothing I hear, nothing I see. Yeah. And I see the symbols. Every Everything I look on logo-wise, it, it's just eat up with it. I know. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Bye now. I've got Drew from New York City. Are you there, Drew? Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm good. Uh, picking up the comment about Nashville, um, yeah. you probably know this, but the Knights of the Golden Circle was located mm-hmm. in Nashville, and the uh, Supreme Headquarters was located at 814 Fatherland Drive downtown. Yes, that's right. And that happens to be the original address of the Grand Old Opry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I know. Uh, I know. It's not it amazing, was, uh, though. Uh-huh. It was also the home residence of Dr. Sylvester Frank James, the brother of Jesse James. Jesse James, yeah. Yeah, it's a web, isn't it? Um, well, Jesse James was a mason, and he yeah. was robbing. It was part of the exercise then to, to rob, and but it was not to spend. It was to save the money for the great work and for causing revolution across the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> another thing... Um, don't know if you know this. You were talking in a, another show about the Rolling Stones and how the stone is squared and that that issue. Yeah. Um, Robert Heinlein, the science, science fiction writer, wrote a book in 1952 called The Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. And I know how you 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 like to 
talk about science fiction as you know pre the precursor to what comes yes and i didn't know this i just learned this today and it wasn't from the history of the rolling stones it was actually just it was a reprint it was re, it was titled the rolling stones yeah crazy mm-hmm. um yeah. uh, i had a special question on the lighter side um your dog's name is hamish yes um how did you come up with that name that's an old scottish name hamish yeah. it was either either angus or hamish so i picked hamish and uh, it's, a, it's the Scottish version of James, right? It, it is, and it's also him is also your home, and so ah. he's a he's a he's a home person, yeah. Because I know it's also uh, um, James and Hamish is also related to Jacob, yeah, from the Bible. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering what what the reason was he chose Hamish. That's all. Well, he doesn't have a coat of many colors. He's black and white. <laughs> oh, like the checkerboard. So, so I I just thought I'd. Uh, uh, it just sort of fitted him. He looked uh, rugged, uh, hairy, like a good Scotsman, <laughs> and um, uh, he could stand up to the cold. Yeah. Oh, great. All right, thank you. Thanks for calling. Oh, the music's coming in. I guess the break's coming up. Back after the following messages. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix. And we still have Eddie from California there. Are you there, Eddie? Hello, Hello? Eddie. Yes, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to just uh, give an observation today. I live in uh, San Diego, and it's been raining the last couple of days, but I noticed on the way home from work when the clouds started breaking that it looked like there was some remnants of chemtrails left yeah. behind. So I was just kind of wondering if they're spraying over the clouds, you know, because... Mm-hmm. I started thinking about it. That'd be a great idea because then nobody can see it at the same time. Going to carry whatever's in the camp show in the yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've watched that over the last few years, and it's true enough that when there's breaks in the clouds, you'll often see them doing it, and they come lower in fact because you should, they have cloud cover, and they they spray into the the clouds, and then it's coming down as rain, so you're getting a higher concentration that way too. Yeah, that's what I was kind of figuring. It's funny too because. I live by a military base, kind of, you know, kind of close, but it just sounds when there's a lot of cloud coverage that the jets or something will fly a lot lower for some reason. I don't know why. Yes, yes. you'll find that they're doing a lot at night as well because I mean, most people are sleeping, and uh, when it's cloud cover, you'll hear them much, much lower, uh, but they are above the clouds, and when you get breaks, you'll see them still spraying away there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just noticed that today, so I don't know. It just got me thinking, so uh, that was I just wanted to give that observation. Uh, okay, Thanks for Thank calling. Yeah. I know. Now go Patricia from Arizona. Are you there, Patricia? Patricia? Uh, yes, I'm speaking to Mr. Watt. Yes, how are you? I have trouble. I had a head trauma a few years back. It's paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And how does one deprogram or reprogram? Do you have any suggestions? I have a little bit of trouble with obsessional thinking now after that happened. Uh, it would take too long to... What you should do is just, you've even emailed me before, haven't you? Or have you? No, no, I've never Well, e- email me and, and uh, I'll get back to you on the email. Because that's quite involved, in fact. Yeah. Okay. By email? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, would you suggest I email you? Yes. Okay, I'll try that. I'm, I'm sure that is quite long. Okay. But it's something I'd really like to do. Okay. Okay, I'll do well, that. thank you very much for your help. Thank you. 
um, can't get to the last caller, but maybe do it the next time. So from Alan, uh, that's me, of course, and Hamish, the dog, he's still the dog, up in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.